that's what we've been talking about these last several weeks. And we will be talking about it again this morning as well. Satan has always been at the job of trying to infiltrate the mind and the will, waging battle for possession of our mind and our thinking. His purpose is to try to corrupt us and to confuse us to the place that we cannot think clearly about God and what He wants to do in our life. And so... God has provided armor for us that we might have victory over the enemy. Each piece we've been putting on. And this morning we're going to look at the helmet of salvation. It's for the purpose of protecting our mind, as you can imagine. We are in the sixth chapter of Ephesians, looking at what God has been doing as he is describing this for us. We are indeed in a battle, and it's difficult for us to understand that. But we're not left defenseless against the enemy. We've been provided armor. We've learned as we've gone through these series, first of all, we have learned that we are protected by Christ when we put Him on His truth, the sturdy belt of truth. He lies in the only Defense we have against the lie is the truth. We've also seen that Christ is our righteousness. We have no righteousness of our own, but he, when we put on the breastplate of righteousness, we are protected against the enemy. We've talked about peace in our life in verse 15, when our feet are fitted with the readiness of the gospel of peace, the good news of peace, We can stand. We cannot fight if there's a war going on on the inside of us. Last Sunday, we looked at the fact that He is our shield. Take up the shield of faith, verse 16 says, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts or arrows of the evil one. Take it up. Yesterday or last Sunday, the wording changed. Now we're to take it up. Now is the time to be putting on these pieces of armory. That's what will take care of us. And then this morning, we're looking at the fifth piece found there in Ephesians 6. And the fifth piece, of course, is the helmet. Let me ask you to stand if you would. You follow along in your copy of God's Word or your screen of God's Word, whichever you may have. And I want to begin in verse 10 of chapter 6, Ephesians the Bible says, finally be strong in the Lord and put and in the strength of his might. Verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in, he- in the heavenly places. And then verse 13, Therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. And then verse 17, the Bible says, And take up or take the helmet, the helmet of salvation. Now's the time 
to take the helmet of salvation. You and I are to place that helmet on our head so that our minds will be protected and we will have the mind of Christ. The helmet is the salvation of the, or the helmet of salvation is the believer's rationality. You're not going to think rationally unless you have that on. Would you pray with me? Father, I pray, especially this morning, that your word will not just be an exercise in visual instructions, but a wake-up call to every child of yours in this place, to the enemy's reality and his desire to take us. Father, remind us that there is a piece of armor, that when we take it, it is our duty to report to our commander. We are to resist the animal, the enemy, and we're to stand firm before them, Father. And my prayer is that today we would take that seriously and that as we stand, he would flee from before us. Oh, Father, in this church, in this family of God, would you raise up a great host of warriors, great host of warriors, that from this fellowship we might march on the enemy and we might go against the strongholds that he has and that we might have victory. Oh, Father, I pray that. Oh, that your Holy Spirit would cause that in this place this morning. And I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you. And you may be seated. As with every other piece of armor that we have put on, Christ is the piece of armor in the helmet. He is our helmet. He is every piece of this armor, and we're to put him on like a suit of clothing that we might have that protection. The helmet, which is the covering for the head, reminds us that God wants us to think like him. He wants us to be equipped or to equip ourselves with him so that our thoughts are his thoughts, his purposes are our purposes, his plans are our plans, and his concepts become ours and his truth becomes ours and his revelation becomes ours because we have put on the helmet of salvation. Philippians 2 verse 5 tells us, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, the same kind of mind. So that's what the helmet is. Now listen to me carefully. The battle today is fault or lost in the arena of the mind. You need to understand that. That's where Satan comes at us, and that's how he comes at us. Satan can enter our thinking. And once he enters your thinking and my thinking, he sets up a stronghold. And he'll walk all over your mind to get to his stronghold. So God says this weapon can tear down, bring down strongholds. Let me tell you about the Roman helmet. The Roman helmet was first of all a piece of leather. And over the leather 
there was placed a metal cover, a metal cap that could go over that piece of leather on the head. And it was made for protection of the mind. As you know, wounds to the heart and to the head are generally fatal. So God is saying, you take up this piece of armor. Now's the time to put it on. Let me tell you something about the armor that they were wearing so that they could be protected. It's an interesting piece of of armor that they were wearing because the Romans had two different kinds of swords. They had a thin sword that was made for quick, accurate death. It could be shoved right into the body without a whole lot of resistance. But there was a second sword that the Romans carried. It was four feet long, it was four inches wide, and it was basically a hacking tool. It was used to hack. And there have been many, many skulls unearthed that did not have protection on their head because you could see the cleavage of that great sword coming right down and splitting into the brain through the head. So God says, you put on the helmet, friend. It's vital for your protection. You need it. But let me tell you something. When we talk about the helmet of salvation, most of us are thinking, it's that time I got saved. Don't you think that? The helmet of salvation not only includes the exact moment that you were saved, but it includes before you were saved and while you are saved and after you're saved. That's the whole helmet. It is for protection for everything. And if we don't have it, we're in trouble. We're literally equipping ourselves with the wisdom of God. Do you understand that? You can't survive. I can't survive without the wisdom of God. So I want us to look at the helmet of salvation. And I hope on your outline, you'll write these things down because you're not going to remember them if you don't. So I want you to have these. I want us to understand this helmet and to look at it. First of all, Number one on your outline, the helmet is personified in Jesus Christ. It's personified in Jesus Christ. Now, I want to read you a passage of Scripture. I'm going to read it slow because I want you to absorb it. Now, listen to it and let your mind follow along. In 1 Corinthians 1, we're going to read verse 24 first, and then we'll read 30 and 31. But to those who are called... Both Jews and Greeks are Jews and Gentiles. Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God, and because of Him, God, because of God, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification, and redemption, so that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Now I want to just give you the progression of those verses that I just read. 
want you to listen very carefully. Here's the progression of them, and they fit together. Jesus Christ is the wisdom of God. And to us. Jesus Christ is the wisdom of God, and He's wisdom to us. Jesus Christ is the wisdom of God, and us, Jesus Christ, is the wisdom from God. Because of God, we are in Christ Jesus, who became to us the wisdom of God. Now, I know that sounds confusing. I don't know how to make it any less confusing. Except when you receive Jesus Christ, He becomes God's wisdom to me and to you as His child. Now, you think about that. The helmet is the personification of Jesus Christ. It's His person in our life. He becomes our wisdom when we put on this helmet. Don't you forget that. Let me give you a number two. I want you to write this down. The helmet is a prerequisite for ministry. It's a prerequisite for ministry. Let me tell you this story. It's true, but I want you to hear it again. In the Dominican Republic, almost everybody rides a scooter or a motorcycle. In fact, it's almost dangerous if you would get in an automobile and ride down in some of those streets. It would be dangerous. All these bikers would be hard to get around in an automobile. The Dominican Republic does not require helmets, like our state don't require helmets. But in Santa Domingo, it is not unusual for 20 to 25 people a day killed from a head injury. Now, the helmet I'm talking about is a prerequisite, friend. You can't afford to go without it. You will lose your life if you try to. You cannot afford. When we go into spiritual battle against the enemy, it's a must that we have it and that we have this helmet right now. I want to tell you something. God tells us throughout His Word that we must have it on. In fact... When the early church was looking for ministers, you can't minister without the helmet. When they were looking for ministers, listen to Acts 6, verse 3. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Spirit and of wisdom. That's the mind of God. And of wisdom whom we will report to this duty. What duty? A duty of servant ministry. You can't do ministry without the helmet. Friend, I want to tell you something else. You do ministry with your mind. And if your mind doesn't have the wisdom of God in it, you can't do ministry to make a difference. It's a prerequisite. Let me give you the third thing about this that I want you to see. The helmet is the power of God in your life. It's the power of God in your life. If you don't have the helmet, you don't have power. Listen to 1 Corinthians 2, 3 through 5. And I was with you in weakness. Now, this is the Apostle Paul speaking. And I know when you look at the Apostle Paul, you're going to say, let me tell you, this guy was intelligent. But listen to what he says. 
And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Do you hear what Paul is saying? Now, I want to tell you something, Paul, friends. Paul had the equivalent of two PhDs. He spoke two languages. Because Paul was a Pharisee, he had, remem- he had memorized all the Old Testament. All of it. You're not talking about a dummy. And this guy stands before these people, and here's what he's saying. I didn't come to you people with my own concepts. I didn't have my own agenda when I stood in front of you all. I didn't come speaking from my intelligence. I come before you, not with my own methods, but I come equipped with the helmet of salvation before you. Protection of my mind, that's what he's saying. An illustration of God's wisdom in my life. That's what he's saying. That's the way you and I are supposed to live. That we might have the power of God. Look at number four. I want you to see this about the helmet. The helmet is produced by knowing God's word. It's produced by knowing God's word. Listen to what Paul wrote to his young Timothy. 2 Timothy 3, verse 15, he says, And how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. How did Timothy get equipped with the Word of God? The Bible says, through the Scriptures. That's how you and I are going to be equipped with the helmet that it's imperative for us to write. It's time to take stock of us. I'm talking about all of us in this church, all of us who claim to be children of God. We need to look at our personal habits when it comes to being in the Word of God. We will never have the wisdom of God until we put the time in the Word of God. You don't get it from osmosis. I wish you did. It doesn't happen that way. We get it from being in the Word of God. It comes through the process of... Now, here's one of those nasty words. It comes through the process of study. Study of the Word of God. You and I are not going to get it any other way. Let me give you the fifth point that I want you to see concerning and understanding the helmet of salvation. The helmet is strengthened through prayer. Strengthened through prayer. We get this by asking God. Listen to James 2.5. You know it. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. This helmet is built by prayer. It's built in your life and my life by prayer. Goodness, this is the helmet of salvation. This is the protection for the believer's mind, his soul, his will, and his emotions. It is the wisdom of God in Christ, and it's available to every believer. To every believer. The key to this message is what I'm going to say next, though. 
Now you wake up and be with me now in the last part of this. I want you to see it. How do you use the helmet of salvation? I want you to know. And why do we need to prepare ourselves in the arena of our mentality and our thinking? I'm going to get frank with something, and some of you all can remember this with me if you're my age. But I want to tell you something, and I want you to know it. Understand where I'm coming from. I grew up in a generation of evangelicals in a Baptist church like some of you. And I grew up hearing people say that it was unscriptural to study the Word because God would give you the Word when you need it. In other words, they were saying it's spiritual to be ignorant about God's Word. I've heard that used so many times. that You don't have to worry about it. If you're a believer, God's just going to drop it in your lap. Friend, hogwash. You understand that? It's not true. It's not true. That's the reason the whole system of apologetics, defense of the faith, and Bible schools, Christian education was recognized as essential for us to stand in the world. For too long, we sent people out into the world to battle Satan who was not equipped with it. Some of you are not equipped with it now. Listen to what I'm saying. The power of ideas, as we have seen in our lifetime, most of us, makes a difference. It makes a difference. Think about it. Think what communism did. It was the power of ideas. Think today in the Middle East what the power of ideas are doing. Hitler came to power with the power of ideas. The power of ideas is persuasive and it's strong. And never before in any generation have we been where we are in this generation where ideas are so prolific through the Internet and through social media, and most of them are false, and most of us don't know. That's the reason when you take the power of the truth of God, it can change the world for good. It can change it for right. If we will know that, and we will do that, we must not go out in the world ill-equipped, unequipped at all. We need more men and women young people to do battle in the spiritual arena that we find ourselves in today. That's where the battle will be won or lost. Let me tell you something about Grapevine Baptist Church. Grapevine Baptist Church must be a transformational church, folks. Do you understand what I'm saying? We can't ride with the tide any longer. We cannot just go along clustered and clustered in our own little group. We have to be transformational. We have to make a difference in the lives of people. We've got to raise up men and women, boys and girls, who will march on the gates of hell if that's what it takes and stand firm before that to be champions for God. And if we're not doing that, folks, we're missing what God called us to do. You understand that? Do you believe that? It's what God's Word tells us. We cannot be satisfied to know a little, but determined that we have got to be disciplined in 
Word of God, just as a scientist or an educator would be disciplined in their vocation. We can't live this way. Now let's talk about using the helmet of salvation. I want you to know about it. I want you to know what God says about this helmet and how we can use it. Listen to what he says. You believe me when I say this. The world is exactly 180 degrees in opposition to the mind of God. If you don't know that, you got your head in a hole somewhere. That's what God's telling us, and we need to know that. So the world is hostile to what you and I are going to say and what you and I are going to do for the cause of Christ. And it's not only evident now, but I want you to know it was evident in the early church. You just listen to some things that I want to share to you, with you from the early church in Matthew 10, 18 and 19. And you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say. There's that verse. For what you are to say will be given you to you in that hour. Now, this is not a passage in defense of biblical ignorance. If you don't get anything, you get that today. This is a passage telling us how God gives us what we're supposed to have. He says you're going to get caught up in situations where you're going to have to take a stand. Are you going to take a stand or are you going to back off? You won't have time to be prepared. You'll not have your Bible in your hand. You won't have a concordance where you can get your hands on it real quick. All of a sudden, you won't have time to take any notes and whip them out. You're going to have to take a stand. And if you have trusted God, and if you have equipped yourself with the readiness of this helmet then you will be able to withstand the enemy and God will give you what you need to say to confound the enemy when you stand. He won't do it if you walk in there ignorant, friend. There's nothing he can get a hold of to pull up in your mind. This is the overall text for how a believer functions with the helmet of salvation in place in a hostile world. Let me give you some more illustrations. There's a lot of them, especially in Acts. It was evident in Acts that the young apostles had something in their speech and something in their mannerism and something in how they handled themselves in public that was far beyond anything else. It caught their attention. They were equipped with the Holy Spirit. For example, listen to this, Peter and John. They were defending themselves before the Sanhedrin, and here's what happened. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished, and they recognized that these men had been with Jesus. The way they talked and the way they answered their critics and the way they were able to give an answer when they were asked this question, people realized that these uneducated fishermen, these men who had all this going on in their life, had to have gotten that somewhere outside of themselves. They had been with Jesus Christ. When the apostles spoke, they spoke with wisdom beyond their understanding, far beyond their education. That's how they were. They spoke with authority. Listen to Acts 5, 33. 
And when they heard this, when these people that had been listening to these men heard this, they were furious and plotted to kill them. You know what? The only way they could handle those men who had the helmet of salvation on their head, the only way they could handle them was to kill them. Friend, that's the kind of power, the kind of power this helmet will give you. You understand that? Goodness. When Peter was speaking, the Bible says they list, those that listened to him were cut in their heart. They were cut in their heart. And they wanted to kill him. Here's fish, fishermen speaking to the, the intelligentsia of their day, and they're talking to them, and they have no comeback to them, and they hated them. It pierced their hearts to be so ignorant before these people. Goodness. It's what the helmet will do. Follow the life of Paul. Goodness. Paul used this helmet all the time. He used this helmet of salvation in the mind of Christ in every situation. This is Acts 9.22. But Paul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. In Acts 9.29, And he spoke boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed against the Hellenists, but they attempted to kill him. In Acts 23 and verse 10, he defended himself against the Sanhedrin. In, 20, in uh, Acts 24, he defended himself before Felix. In Acts 25, he defended himself before Festus. In Acts 26, he defended himself before Agrippa and Bernice. On every occasion, he had an answer. He had an answer because he was wearing the helmet of salvation, the covering God himself, the mind of Christ. They said something's going on in this man's communication. 1 Peter 3.15 And always be ready to give a defense to everyone. That's you and that's me who ask you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. So many times, listen to me, most of us in this room have spent our time in trying to get away and rather in standing in defense of the Word of God. We just wanted to disappear in the woodwork somewhere rather than have to take a stand because we did not have on the helmet of salvation. That's what he tells. We need the helmet of salvation, what God's Word tells us, and we must have it. Therefore, no other effect will we have unless we have it on. We can't make a difference in a life anywhere. Number two, and I want you to listen carefully because now we're going to get down to where God has placed us and I want you to listen to it very carefully. It's necessary, number two, for demolishing strongholds in the heart. And now I'm not talking about fighting the enemy, Satan out there. I'm talking about you fighting yourself. Listen to 2 Corinthians 10, verses 4 and 5. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments, not with each other, and every lofty opinion raised up against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive 
to obey Christ. Listen again what he's saying. He's saying, now I want you to understand that there's a battle going on in your own mind, Kent Workman, in your own mind, whoever you are. And that you are to take a stand against what's going on in your mind. Now this affects every one of us. We're talking about defending our own mind and heart against Satan trying to get a stronghold. What is a stronghold? In the Greek, if you look up the word stronghold, it's a military word. What it really means is it's synonymous with the word fortress. It's a fortress, setting up a fortress in our mind. It means to make firm. It means that the enemy comes in and he is entrenched in our mind. The devil operates in the area of the mind. I've already said that. The suke, the mind, the will, and the emotion is how our emotions is exactly how Satan comes at us. That's how he has come at you today. That's how he's come at me today. That's the way he comes. And he comes into our world that way. Let me give you an example. Listen carefully. I want you to listen to what I'm about to say. And you'll have to admit it if you don't have your head in a hole somewhere. Why do you think the pornography industry is where it's at today? Why do you think it now saturates, saturates so much of our lives and our very nation that we live in? We're now consumed with sexual lust, promiscuity, and nudity because it's been pumped into our minds and it's taken up a stronghold. I'm talking to some of you men. Is it possible for a child of God to have Satan with a stronghold in his mind? Absolutely, it's possible. He sets up that stronghold in my mind and in your mind. And I want to remind you again, he's going to walk all over your brain to get to it. He's going to deal with your emotions. He's going to deal with your psychic and you're going to have it there, and you wish to God you could get rid of it, but it's a stronghold. It's built in. He has hunkered down, and he won't give up. And friend, only by the helmet are you going to be able to tear that loose in your life. When it begins in our mind, it begins to build a stronghold, a fortress, And we have that absolutely and we cannot do anything about it at all, it seems like. He looks for the weak point in your life, in my life, and he sets up that fortress, that fortress. And the verses that we read tell us that this helmet of salvation, our warfare, our weapon, Christ is the only way we can have victory. And until that stronghold is torn down and torn out, we will not have complete victory in our life. In the book, Why Is It Taking Me So Long to Get Better? Which is a Christian book by David Edwards, the author. He made a statement that reminded me a long time ago just what I've talked about. Listen to what he says. He tells about the islands in the Pacific in World War II. 
And he says, oftentimes, men would be given the order to go in and take an island, all those little islands. Maybe some of you have grandfathers or some of you know about that personally. And they would go in to take these islands. And when they would take these islands, they would beach on the island. They'd try to establish a beachhead. And then they would try to march into the island and take it by taking care of everything that would keep them from taking it. And they would get in so far in the island. And what they would do, they would secure a perimeter that they would have. And then they would put up a flag and they would radio back saying, we have taken the island, our flag is in place, we're positioned. But he goes on to tell this, and I've heard it told by another man who fought in the Pacific. He said it would take six or eight months, depending on the size of the island, before we would go and we would subjugate every person on that island. We had to go into every crook and every cranny under every rock, into every cave, and we had to ferret out everything that was against our subjugation, and we brought those people under subjugation to us. Boy, listen, that's just the way it is in the Christian life. Now listen carefully what I'm about to say. When Jesus Christ becomes your Savior and your Lord, you don't have instant response to every part of your life. You don't have it under the authority of God's Word yet. What I'm saying, there is no such thing as instant lordship. And if you're sitting in this room this morning and you're saying, I really got God in charge of everything in my life, you better be sure about that. You better be sure about that. Most of us could testify that I'm at the point where I am today in my walk with the Lord by tearing down one stronghold after another until I got to the place where God would have control over that stronghold. Let me tell you what God does in my life. And I'm not saying He'll work this way in your life, but here's what God does in my life. It's like He puts a finger on something in my life and He says, Kent, does that belong to me? And I say, oh, Lord, you know it don't. Oh, Lord, you know it don't. And I want you to have it. I want you to have that. It may just be a small section, but if Satan has a small section, he'll take up residence anywhere and everywhere. I wonder how many in this place this morning would say, I've got a stronghold that I would love for God just to remove. I want to tell you, when you put on the helmet of salvation and you begin to think like Christ and you act like Christ and you have the motive of Christ and you have the love of Christ, I want to tell you that the enemy cannot stand in that. He cannot stand in that. And when you do that, you will begin to have victory in this place in your life. Oh, I'd love to have that gone, Kent. I want to tell you, you can. It can happen this morning. Let me give you some life application. Do you have a problem with lust or lying or greed or pride or whatever else it is you want to put in that blank? This book, God's Word, has so much truth 
about how to deal with that. How to deal with that. And friend, until you put on that helmet of salvation, you cannot have victory over that. You will not have victory over that. You have to have the mind of Christ. You get it as you study this word. And I'm talking about more than devotionally. I'm talking about you study it. It's like you're going to have a test on it tomorrow morning. You get in that. Isaiah 59, verse 17. This is from the ruler of Zion. Now, you have an idea who the ruler of Zion is, don't you? That's God himself. Listen to what God says in Isaiah 59, verse 17. He put on the righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. I'm saying to you, friend, if God puts it on, you and I have no excuse not to put it on. Is that plain? As plain as I can make it. Plain as I know. One last time. Philippians 2.5 Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Let me ask you to stand right now. We're going to have our invitation. And I just want to tell you something, friend. I want you to understand that until you put on this helmet and you leave this helmet on, you're not going to have victory. You're not going to have victory. It'll not come. Wherever you're having difficulties and wherever Satan has a stronghold, I want to tell you, you can have victory. Men, I've wrestled with strongholds. And I want you to know, God will give you victory. I'm living, standing, breathing proof of that. Ladies, Satan can set up a stronghold in your life. Don't keep living a life that does not have total victory in Christ. Do not quit, keep living that way. This morning, whatever it takes, you may want to get on your knees. You may want to speak to somebody. Whatever it takes in your life to come to that place that you can say, Satan, you no longer are welcomed in this place and I'm putting on the mind of Christ and I will put it on and put it on. You put it on every day. You keep putting it on. You never get up without it on. And God will give you victory. Do you live afraid that somebody's going to find out? Do you want to live that way? Why not make it right with God? You may be here this morning and you've never received Christ as Lord and Savior. You don't know what He can do. I invite you this morning to say yes to Him. God, I confess I'm a sinner. I'm not going to hide behind that anymore. And by faith, I ask you to save me. I turn from that and I receive you as Lord of my life. Would you be willing to say that, to mean that, to do that this morning? If you don't understand, would you give us the privilege to share with you how to do that? You may have never followed them in baptism or church membership. 
Would you do that this morning? Father, this morning all across